What is up? And welcome back to the Ministry Refuel Podcast with Kat Robbins. I'm your host, Kat Robbins, and I am so excited that you're with us. Whether you're listening in the morning, the afternoon, the evening, I'm so glad you're here. And I'm so excited today because I have a extra special guest with me that I know you guys have been dying to hear from. I have too, personally. And his name is the same as my last name. <laughs> That's yeah. the weirdest way to introduce somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the other Robbins, otherwise known as Mr. Cat, um, <laughs> to some people. Um. He is my better half, for certain, the love of my life, Dylan Robbins. I hope so. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you're here on the podcast wow i'm so glad that i've like the what 12th guest yeah no just the fourth <laughs> oh just the fourth just okay. the fourth um loving that um have you listened to an episode of the pod before of course i've listened to ones on the road with you and also in the truck by myself i just you know couldn't keep count of all the oh we love a supportive husband yeah <laughs> well before we jump into our topic today why don't you tell the folks at home a little bit about you um like like baby or just like what i like or yeah typically what does baby mean like you want me to go all the way back to like when i'm a baby or i mean i could do that we you want to relive childhood trauma is that is that the... yeah we okay. could do that isn't that what this podcast is all about it could be if you wanted oh. it to be it's the world is your oyster okay yeah so <laughs> <laughs> so I was thrown in a river as a baby in a basket, and uh, no, not Moses, no yeah, Moses. I don't know. Why I keep dropping that. I don't either. Um, but yeah, no, I am a uh, cat's husband. Um, I am honored to be cat's husband. She is the greatest wife ever, and she's absolutely beautiful. Um, I love all the things that I shouldn't love, including McDonald's and Taco Bell and soda um and We're praying don't... for your deliverance yeah Pray. yeah 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 um i love the lord i um yeah okay important question okay cool i know you said you love the lord yes so how you answer this question is very important okay pancakes or waffles that's nothing to do with loving the lord but it waffles 100 so have i told you my theory on pancakes and waffles no i would love to hear this here's my theory people who like pancakes more generally speaking are more like just open spontaneous creative folks right because yeah, they crazy just, yeah. they, no, no, they just take in all of the information. They take in all of life. Mentally right? unstable. Yeah, no, that's what we're no, about. no, 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 no. <laughs> and then there's like waffle people. You guys compartmentalize yeah, things, you yeah, know, like same. you have your little pockets of like, this is where I play video games. Yeah, and to this hold is... the syrup, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're all the same on the inside. We're all made of the same things. We yeah. all take in the same things and we choose you know to just operate a little differently yeah but if you think of like syrup as the holy spirit it's Uh so easy to collect inside of a waffle because we 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 open space up for that while pancakes it just slides off like the holy spirit is trying to enter and then it's like yo you're crazy i gotta bounce away and it just oozes off you really want to have this conversation right now (laughs) well i i've always been taught not to put god in a box and i think waffles quite literally put syrup in a box so if we're going to compare the holy spirit to syrup 
I think there might be a flaw in your logic. Well, Egos are pretty good, but... Shout out to Egos. <laughs> if you've ever watched Stranger Things and you love Elle, you know that Ego waffles for the win. Whoop, whoop. For the win. Egos. Well, you are here and you love the Lord. I do. And you have so many passions for God and to do great things for the Lord. One of those things is your calling to be a youth pastor. This is true. And so I would love to just quick hear a little bit of your journey of, you know, how you got to that point where you felt called to be a youth pastor. You haven't been saved super long, right? Not super yeah. long. Not super long. It's been more than like a year, you know. I didn't just find you on the street <coughs> and take you in. But Yeah, you took me in as a hoodlum. You had that whole like savior mentality. Yeah, well, it took a lot of praying to get yeah. you to the point that you're at now, but... Yeah. Okay, we gotta stop joking because people people are gonna think <laughs> that you're really crazy. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. Okay. Tell tell everybody your journey of following the, of coming to know the Lord and being called into ministry. Well, my journey of following the Lord, um, I wasn't saved until I was about, uh, I want to say. 16. I'm not one of those people that knows the time and the date, unfortunately. You don't have a little birth certificate? No, I don't. I do uh, not have the birthday down. Um, on my Instagram, I actually have the uh, video of me getting baptized. Oh, so if you really want to check, you can go check there. But um, yeah, I, I didn't grow up in the best family. Um, in fact, I didn't even know my father until I was 18 years old. I um, grew up in a house filled with addiction. Uh, my my mom was an alcoholic. Uh, I just didn't grow up very close to to people. I didn't feel very loved. I was bullied in school. I didn't have many friends. Uh, so that just resulted in me coming home every single day playing video games. That's all I ever wanted to do. I'd go to school, come home, turn on the Xbox, and I play video games till about four or five in the morning. Wow. I just wanted to drown out all the pain and all the loneliness that I felt. Um, so, so one day, uh, a guy that I was hanging out with um, in theater, I did theater in high school, he invited me to church. And it's really funny because I started going to this church and it wasn't God at first. It wasn't this Holy Spirit encounter, it was that I was going to this place where people acknowledged me. People saw me. People said they cared about me. People asked me how I was doing. And I was like, where is this coming from? I've never really experienced this kind of attention. I've never really experienced this kind of love before. And I began to search deeper and I realized that that love comes from God. Mm. That, it's, that it's filling them up so much that all they can do is love. All they can do is see me a wounded person and care enough about me to try and help me, to try and talk to me, to hear me. And I wanted that. So I soon just was like, I want this. I want this love that is, is pouring out of you. And I gave my life to the Lord. And just after that, God just began to make me feel that loved and fill that void that I had been feeling for so long, that I had wanted for so long. 
and some really hard things happened in that season. My mom was arrested for her fifth DUI. I ended up moving out and I moved in with my aunt and there's a lot of hate between my aunt's side of the family and my mom's side of the family so that ended up spreading to me and some really awful things were said to me and I was kicked out of that house and I ended up moving in with that friend that 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 introduced me to to the Lord. And during that season, I just grew and developed into um, somebody that I believe was chasing after God. And it was soon after that that I began to realize that everything that I went through in my life, all the pain, all the loneliness, all the hurt, was not for no reason. Mm -hmm. That God was going to use that to make other people feel loved and cared about. And that that was my mission. My mission is that I never want to see somebody feel lonely, feel unseen, unloved, unheard, because God pulled me out of that. I know what it's like, and I know that there's an answer, and I know that at the end of the day, no matter how beat up I feel, there's a Lord God that loves me more than anything, and I just want to spread that message, and that became youth ministry, Hmm. and God called me to youth ministry, and yeah. And really, like, that's a big part of why you're in youth ministry is yeah. you're trying to be for someone else what you wish you had. Of course. Um, yeah. You wish that you had someone who just told you, like, I love you and you matter and you're seen. Yeah. Um, and we recognize, like, this is not only the fatherless generation. This is the motherless generation. This is the parentless generation, you yep. know. And so there's a lot of um, there's a lot of importance on youth pastors and youth leaders and so if you're a youth pastor or youth leader listening we celebrate you you are so important you work so hard and your job matters because this next generation they need your voice you save lives you literally save lives yep um so thank you for what you do thank you dylan for what you do that's (laughs) really awesome um thank you for getting vulnerable for a second just sharing a little bit of your story of course um so, of course, you know, you, you kind of progressed pretty quickly. You yeah. gave your life to Jesus, and then you're like, I'm feeling led towards ministry. Of course, you eventually joined the school, which, just side note, that's not only a school that I work for, but it's also <laughs> the school we met at, yeah. we fell in love at. God's plan, you know. Thank you, Drake. Oh, my God. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. But Ring by Spring, shout out. I literally, well, I had a ring by fall, so... I guess I was ahead of the head of the curve. Yeah. You know, because you proposed in October. We yeah. were married by spring. That's true. Shout out. There was a uh, lady dressed as a witch right <laughs> next to us when I proposed. Um, yep. Nobody we knew, but I just thought it was really fitting that there was a witch there. <laughs> yeah, because nothing in our life is normal. That's, That's very... Remember you called me crazy earlier? Yep. Yeah, it's true. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. Um. And of course, you know, and it's funny we even bring that up because that just goes to show that not just in our lives, but in lives across the board, like sometimes things just don't go according to plan. Yeah. And sometimes that's, I mean, for folks like me, that's really frustrating because, you know, I have my bathroom breaks planned out, you know, like I have everything planned out. So when (laughs) when things don't go according to plan, it can be extremely frustrating, Mm -hmm. but sometimes things don't go according to plan relationally. And yeah. that can be really challenging. And so 
Um, really, I want to kind of talk about something that both you and I have gone through mm-hmm. and how we were able to kind of overcome that. So, you know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus goes back to his hometown and he desperately wants to be accepted by the people that he grew up with, the people that he would have known, the people he would have worked with, yeah. and he wasn't accepted. And he says a statement that's often quoted, but it's it's this. A prophet is without honor in his hometown. And sometimes it is the most painful thing when it's the fact that the people that are supposed to love you the most can also hurt you the most. And I know my journey is somewhat similar to yours where, you know, and I I think I've shared a little bit of my story on my own podcast. I would hope so. But, you know. Biography somewhere. Somewhere in there <laughs> on episode who knows what. Um, but, you know, just growing up at the same place, you know, for years and years and years, getting saved, getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, the whole thing, getting called into ministry all in the same place, working all in the same place, and discovering some hurt while I was there, and discovering um, the fact that it hurts more because it's people that I've grown up with, it's people that I've, I've known, and having to make a decision to leave was one of the hardest things. Yeah. Um, And I know that that's a decision that you've, you know, you have previously made. Um, And so I just, I want you to talk a little bit about what that looked like for you. How did you process that hurt? How did you know when it was time to leave? And how did you know when it was time to come back? Wow. A lot of questions. Yeah. Um, So the very place that i was saved the very place that i went to college the very place that i got i I worked for as a facilities person was the very place that i became i got my first youth pastor gig and uh, i was the middle school pastor and i loved it i absolutely loved the students that i had been working with every single year for the past few years just being Um, one of their leaders in small group um, ever since I graduated uh, high school. Uh, So it was really cool to to just stay in the very place that I was saved, grew up through, and now I'm leading as a pastor there. But soon some both external and internal things began to happen, and a mental game started. The enemy started to, to speak and to whisper, and... I began to grow bitterness against certain people and I began coming up with lies in my head about me not being qualified to to do what God had called me to do. And guys, everybody listening, I gave up. I decided that being a youth pastor wasn't for me. I decided that I wasn't called to it, that I wasn't qualified because of hurt feelings that other people gave me and because of just talking about myself and putting myself down, I disqualified myself from what God had placed on me. Mm. And it sucked and it hurt a lot. Um, It hurt a lot because of where it was. It hurt a lot because it, fe- it felt like God didn't love me as much as he loved others. Mm. It felt that I wasn't as equipped as others. But again, that's all things that I told myself, that I lied to myself and, and, yeah. and, and just festered on. 
And it led me to quit. It led me to give up. And it didn't take long after I um, started working another job that has nothing to do with ministry (laughs) at all. It didn't take long after for me to honestly, if I can be uh, frank with you, um, feeling like crap. I felt... Crap. crap. Explicit episode. I'm sorry, everybody. Don't say that from the stage. (laughs) Um, I felt like garbage. I felt that my life had no fulfillment anymore. Mm -hmm. That I wasn't that I wasn't doing anything with purpose, that I was waking up every day and working this mundane job and not doing what God had called me to do. And I'm not saying this for anybody that may be listening that does work a normal job, um, but I know that that's not what God called me to. And it just began to weigh on me every single day. And, and I left assuming that I would become a teacher because that way I would still be able to be in the secular world, but also still work with students. But I decided that I was going to fast. Me, me and my wife, my beautiful wife, were going to fast. And it's really funny because the week that I decided I was going to fast was the very week that my beautiful wife... I got to keep saying that. I get a points. dollar. I give him a dollar every time he calls me beautiful. Okay. Um, I got I to get points, y'all. But um, she was preaching at the very ministry that I left, that I quit. And it happened to be that week that I was fasting. And I came to watch her preach. And it just hit me like a truck, guys. Like, God just was like, this is what I've called you to. It was like a switch flipped in my head. I began speaking to students in in ways that I don't normally speak to people because I'm an introvert. But when I'm in that youth ministry environment, you could never see that because all I want to do is check in on people, ask them how they're doing, love on them because that's what God has equipped me to do. Right. Literally like a switch that I couldn't shut off. And God was just like, this is what I have called you to. And I went home that night and I prayed my heart out. And God put this heart, uh, put this word on my heart. And I'm going to get it tattooed on my arm coming soon. Um, (laughs) But it's whatever it takes. And I knew that I needed to do whatever it takes to get back to being a youth pastor, to get back to what God had called me to, because he equips me. He gives me purpose. It's not me. It's not anything I can do. I I can't talk myself out of it anymore. I need to do whatever it takes to get back to what God has called me to. And guys, I'm still not there, but I've started that process. I talked to a leader in my life and He said, there's two ways you could go. You could either jump back in it or you can go the hard way and you could return to the place of hurt in your life. You could have some difficult conversations with people and you can heal. Mm. And I decided to go that route. And I I just want everybody to know that it's so important that the way you leave a place and the way you come back and the way that you go, and the way that you move. There's a song about that, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to make sure that there was no bitterness, no unforgiveness. And I wanted to put myself in a humble place and say, God, I'm going to do just that word, whatever it takes. 
I'm going to come back to this place. I'm going to serve. I'm going to love these students like I never left. And whenever you provide that opportunity for me to jump back in, I am not going to hesitate. I'm going to go. That's so good. I think, too, like this expression of whatever it takes. And obviously, I've heard it a time or two since you have begun to put this into practice. But yeah, I one... say it a good bit. Yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> it's an important phrase. But when I think of you saying that phrase, the first word that comes to my mind is humility. And ministry takes a lot of humility, whether you're on a staff for a church or you're serving in a youth ministry or a kid's ministry or whatever it looks like for you. Yeah. Life takes a lot of humility if you're going to be a follower of Jesus yeah. because our flesh tries to puff us up and we're like, that. that's where that bitterness comes into play where you feel like I have to be made right. Yeah. I have to go and make sure that they know that they did me wrong, you yeah. know? And that's not the heart of Christ. Yeah. The heart of Christ is, where were you wrong? Wow. You know, where were where so were true. you in those places that you should have realigned? And I a lot of times when it comes to ministry, I, I think about um, a spine. You know, it's very easy for a spine to come out of alignment. Yeah. And when a spine's out of alignment, if you've ever been there before, you know how incredibly painful it is. And until you find yourself into a place of alignment, you're not going to ever fully be able to walk properly. You won't be able to live your life properly. And so it takes that cracking. It takes that adjustment in order for you to come into a place of being in alignment with God's word, alignment with his will. So true. And I feel like, you know, there's no perfect church, right? There's no perfect church, no perfect theology, no perfect nothing. It's just because all of it deals with people. And so people are going to fail you. People are going to fall short. So no matter where you work, you know, it's always like the grass is always greener. Man, I wish I worked at this church, in this ministry, under this pastor. Maybe things would be different. Yeah. No, it wouldn't because it's all people. The systems might be different. It might be a better fit for you. But at the end of the day, um, there's no perfect place. And so we have to come into a place where we are aligned and we ask God, align me. And I want to commend you publicly for just being someone who literally humbly came back and you are now serving without getting a paycheck, without getting recognition, without having a title in front of your name. You come, I watch you, you work like 12 to 13 to 14 hours a day and you will go and work and then you come home and you throw a meal down your throat and then you go and serve at youth. You know, and then Sunday mornings you wake up extra early when that's a day you could really sleep in and go to the late service and you choose to serve because you are living the expression, whatever it takes. You're not just getting it tattooed on your arm, but you're living that expression. And I want to encourage anybody that's listening, take that whatever it takes mentality, whatever it takes to be aligned and living in the will of God for your life. And sometimes that requires a new level of forgiveness in your life saying i'm letting go of that offense i'm letting go of those things that have hurt me i'm letting go of the fact that i wasn't acknowledged i'm letting go of all of those things and you know i said earlier that our experience is so similar you know where we were burned by a certain place and i you know since you have returned i i laugh to myself because i'm like it took you a lot shorter of amount of 
it took you a lot shorter amount of time to come back than it was for me. And I remember coming back and feeling like, this is so silly, but feeling like a washed up rock star, you know, like, like Bon Jovi, you know, and he's like burned out and old and is wearing like a leather jacket and he has a comb over hairstyle. And like, I felt like I was coming back and I was like, I'm just this nobody, you know, but like it was in that humility that God was realigning my heart to say, I'm going to make you a somebody, you know? And, um, and so I just, I think it's beautiful. I think it's a very redemptive story. And I think again, you are posturing yourself to, operate fully in the calling that God has for you. And that's the thing about the spine. Like when the spine, like the physical spine is in alignment, it helps your digestive system. Wow. It helps your healing process in your body. Like when the spine, which is the center of your body is in alignment, it helps everything function. Yeah. And so like as you as a minister, as a leader are choosing to walk in alignment with God, you think, oh, it's it's just helping this specific issue, but it's helping all of these different issues in your life where you're able to say, I'm coming under the authority of the Lord and his will, and God's just going to open up so many more doors for you. So if there's somebody that's listening that might be on the brink of wanting to give up. Maybe they just feel really frustrated. Maybe they've just taken so many hits in ministry. Maybe they've been out of alignment for so long. What is something that you would tell somebody listening today so that they can pursue this whatever it takes mentality? Talk to somebody. Talk to a leader, not somebody below you. And just express to them your hurt, the way that you're feeling. But also, go to God. Remember when you were first called. Remember remember that feeling of what it felt like before you were called. Because ultimately, this isn't, this isn't your life. I know that sounds super weird, but it isn't. It's the Lord's. You gave it. You gave it up. Yeah. Let the Lord use you. It's so hard to think that way sometimes that, you know, like you, you want to tell yourself you're not qualified. You want to tell yourself, I can't do this. Well, you can't. That's the truth. Right. And I had to come to that realization. I can't do this. But when I stepped in that room and that switch flipped on, it's so funny because I couldn't see that switch flipping on before because I had been I had been sitting through ministry um, fresh out of high school, going there every single day. So I didn't really get to experience what it was like without it. But now that I was able to take a step back and see, wow. God really is using me. Wow. God really did put gifts and a purpose inside of me. I was able to say, God, this isn't me. This is you. And thank him. Thank you, Lord. I thank him every day that I have purpose, that I have a plan. So if you're out there and you just feel like you want to give up, I encourage you. Seek somebody that you trust and remember what it was like before you were called and remember that moment that you were called and know that God is going to equip you equip you and be with you every step of the way. Man, that's so good. That's so good. And when I think about like this I hate how my brain works sometimes, but as you were talking, I was thinking about how the enemy loves to take things that are precious. Mm. And I started thinking about um <laughs> Dora the Explorer. 
I started thinking about Swiper, you know, that little fox who always wanted to take the things that Dora and Boots had. Were those weird gloves? Yeah, they were. Th- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was like, wait, what? Um, but notice he always came when they were about to advance to their next place. Yeah. You know, and the enemy loves to take what is precious when you're about to advance to your next season and level up and go to that next place. He loves to attack in transition. Yeah. But what did, what did they do on the show? They would shout, swipe or no swiping, swipe or no swiping, right? Because they were passionate about not letting him take what was so precious. Yeah. And again, very silly, very dumb illustration. But it further points to the fact that if children can understand that they have to fight for what's precious, yeah. how much more should we as grown adults be fighting for the call of God on our lives and not wow. letting the enemy have a hold yeah. in what God's called us to do? Yeah. So here's the reality. You might be working at a church. You might be working for a nonprofit. And truth be told, people are making you mad. People are frustrating you. People are offending you. You're not getting the amount of credit you think you deserve. There's so many things that are going on and you are frustrated and the enemy is doing everything that he can to try to swipe what you have in your hand. And until we come to a place where we are fighting for what is precious and we're saying, enemy, I refuse. I refuse to let you have a foothold in my life. I refuse to let you make me bitter. I refuse to be hateful toward my brothers or sisters that I work with in ministry. I refuse to do that. Until we start to do that, until we adopt this whatever it takes mentality, we are going to find ourselves bound. And that's not the life that God's called us to. And, you know, I kind of cringe when I say this, and this last thing I'll say, but I grew up under a a teaching of this value that uh, I know you will know well, Dylan, and the value was we will fight for unity. Mm. And... I think we have to fight for unity, but we have to, again, fight for our calling. We have to fight tooth and nail for it. That's why we have to put on the full armor of God, because the enemy is out here with all his schemes, with all his attacks, and we have to be ready for that. And we can't go in thinking like, oh, I work for a church, so nothing bad will happen. Baby girl, if that's what you think, get out now, because it it is a war out there. Because you are going to bat for people's souls. So true. Is it a surprise that the enemy is trying to cause division? Is it a surprise that the enemy is help is making us feel like we can't respect authority? Like all of these issues that are arising in a lot of people that are serving the Lord. Those things are happening because the enemy hates you. Yeah. The enemy hates what you're doing. So true. And Dylan, I genuinely feel like this mentality that you have adopted, I love because it is literally you looking the devil in the face and saying, you ain't swiping what I got. You ain't taking what I got because it's too precious. Get out of here. Swipe a no swiping. Swipe a no swiping. Let's go. At the end of the day, you are saying whatever it takes. And we want to resound that message back to you. Say that message back to you. We believe that you are a group of people who are leaders, pastors, ministers, uh, owners of companies, whatever you are for the glory of God, we believe that you are going to adopt this whatever it takes mentality so that you will chase the call of God, be aligned in his will, and ready to fight this battle in front of you. We believe that and we know whatever it takes. 
Dylan, this is the last episode of season one. Can you believe that? Wow. We made it through a whole season of the Ministry Refuel podcast. I had to get the cutest boy in the world to come and close out this season. Do you want to say anything to our viewers, our listeners, for the end of season one? I'm going to Disney World. (laughs) You wish. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) As Um. always, this is the Ministry Refuel podcast. My name is Kat Robbins. And thank you for listening to a whole season of season one. We have season two coming in the fall. We're so excited. Dylan, are you so excited? So excited. We will see you on season two. Woo!